Yo, it's Tim Malcolm, the host of the Phillies Nation podcast and the editorial director of philliesnation.com. Go there today for all of your Phillies news, rumors, information, opinion, and much more. It is a busy time of year. You should check out the website. We have daily continuous updates on the winter meetings in which the Phillies are quite active. They've just made a second signing. We'll talk about that on the podcast here. This is the winter meetings mid-meetings edition, Tuesday night. It's about 9 o'clock at night, so we just got through another Philly signing. We'll talk about that plus the one earlier in the meetings yesterday. We'll also talk about some rumors. I have Brian Michael, the founder and CEO of philliesnation.com, on with me. We will go over some of the crazier rumors that have been talked about, including Manny Machado and what that might mean for the Phillies going forward. And we actually come to an interesting conclusion about what this year might look like. And I will have more on that coming up at philliesnation.com. If you want to listen to this podcast more, go to Apple Podcasts and check out the Phillies Nation podcast there. We're also on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spreaker, TuneIn, and YouTube.com slash philliesnation. And yeah, we'll come out usually every two weeks, but last couple, uh, last two weeks, really, we've come out a couple times during the two weeks because there's a lot going on and we wanted to get you updated on what was happening. So enjoy. This is the Winter Meetings, Mid-Meetings podcast. The Phillies Nation podcast continues now. Nation. Welcome to the Phillies Nation podcast. I'm Tim Malcolm, as I said in the intro, the host of the podcast and the editorial director of philliesnation.com. By the way, I didn't mention you can check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash philliesnation, Twitter at philliesnation, and Instagram at philliesnation underscore. We are all over Twitter, by the way, with the winter meetings happening right now. Check us out there because we have some jokes. Some of them are funny. Some of them not so funny. But, hey, I try. We also have all the retweets from all the reporters talking about the Phillies, our own little comments on those things, and, of course, all the links to the pieces that we're putting up during the winter meetings. If you check out philliesnation.com right now, you'll see we have daily posts on uh, all the updates and the rumors, all the fun stuff that's happening, and then whenever some real news breaks, we will put up a new post completely and talk about that stuff. And I will have my own opinion coming out tonight on the latest from the winter meetings. And I'll talk about the bullpen and how interesting the bullpen is becoming for the Phillies and how it might actually be the Phillies trying something totally new, uh, maybe being experimental, maybe trying to break new ground in baseball or at least follow a trend and set their own ground in that trend. And I'll talk about that a little bit more with Brian Michael, who is the founder and CEO of philliesnation.com. We'll talk a little bit later on in the podcast. But first, I wanted to go over what the news is right now for the Phillies. Uh, Two stories. The first one happened yesterday, but the latest today is the most recent and interesting stuff. We are finding out that the Phillies have agreed to a contract with Tommy Hunter, relief pitcher uh, out of the Tampa Bay Rays franchise. Now, Hunter... Pretty good. I mean, he's actually had uh, a good long career at this point, and he's been in and out of different places. Uh, Sometimes he's been a little bad. Sometimes he's been a little good, as most relievers are. They're pretty fungible. But Tommy Hunter redeemed himself last year with the Rays, put up a 2-6-1 ERA. Shout out to Central High, 2-6-1. 
by the way. 261 ERA. He also struck out 64 and walked 14 last year for the Tampa Bay Rays. Great season from him. 58.2 thirds innings out of him. But like I said, he's been off and on. So the year before that in 2016, between the Cubs and the Cubs, Cubs and the Indians and the Orioles. He was on the Cubs, Indians, and I had to, I had to look at Oh, no, just the Indians and Orioles. See, I'm getting it all wrong because he's been with a lot of teams. 2016 with the Indians and the Orioles, he put up a total 3.18 ERA with 23 strikeouts and 8 walks in third in uh, 34 innings. So he was didn't get a lot of time. He was hurt. He gets hurt sometimes, but that was 2016. 2015, 60 innings, 4.18 ERA, 47 and 14. 2014, 297 ERA, 2013, 281 ERA, and before that, he was a starter in Baltimore, and then before that with Texas, up and down as a starter. When he was converted to the bullpen, he actually became quite good, and that's where he stands today. Right-hander, good strikeout stuff, and he was able to keep the walk rate down despite the rise in strikeouts over the past year, which is great to see. He had 9.8 strikeouts per nine last year for the Rays, and 2.1 walks per nine, which is a good number. If you go back to 2016, he had 2.1 walks per nine, but 6.1 strikeouts per nine. So the strikeouts went up for the first time in his entire career last year to a really ridiculous amount for him. 9.8 per nine is much higher than his career norm, which usually is around six and a half or so. So that's really great news to see the walks staying down. So Tommy Hunter is a good addition for the Phillies. The news that we got after the initial signing news was that it's a two-year deal. Uh, We don't know yet the terms of that deal, how much money Hunter will be making in that deal. But this is an interesting thing that's happening with the Phillies as they get relievers for multi-year deals, something that the Phillies have not done for quite a while. In fact, back when they were a good team was the last time that they did that. So it does beg some questions. Uh, The second deal that was announced yesterday is a reunion with Pat Neshek. Neshek is coming back to the Phillies. He was, of course, with them last year and put up an ERA under two. He was the Phillies' lone all-star last year. He was phenomenal, as we all know. 69 strikeouts and, I believe, what, six walks on the entire season last year. It's unbelievable. He played with the Phillies and then, of course, was traded to the Rockies. uh, And now he's coming back to the Phillies. And that deal is really interesting. It's a two-year deal, but there's a third-year option in it. And here's the interesting wrinkle. There's a $4 million signing bonus on the deal. So with the $5.75 million that Neshek makes next year and the $5.75 million that he makes in 2019, he's also guaranteed $4 million out of the gate. So really this year, the Phillies are paying him $9.75 million. In 2019, they're going to pay him just $5.75 million. And if they pick up his option, it's a team option, 2020, he'll be getting $7 million. So a little bit of a raise there. If the Phillies do not pick up that option and void it, it'll be $750,000 on the buyout, which is really small change. And the Phillies are betting that they will at least get that back. Now, a good move, because if you think about it, the Phillies are front-loading that deal, giving Neshek the $9.75 million right out of the gate with the signing bonus included there. And they're deciding to pay some of that salary this year because they realize that next year they're going to need probably as many million dollars as they can get. 2019, that $5.75 million is great value for Pat Neshek, who if he can put up something even close to what he did last year, that's a steal for the Phillies. And so the Phillies are looking very, very interestingly 
good in the bullpen. And that's something that we didn't really anticipate going into this offseason. We thought that the Phillies would make one veteran signing in the bullpen. In fact, we put up our offseason overview a couple weeks ago, and we said that Pat Neshek was the guy that the Phillies should bring back. I believe Kirsten Swanson wrote that up and said it was Pat Neshek who was the best bet for the Phillies going forward, and she was right. Pat Neshek is the best bet, and the Phillies, of course, liked him, wanted to bring him back, and they did so. But to get Tommy Hunter along with that is a pretty, really, it's a pretty good deal for the Phillies because they get more assurance that they have someone that has proven himself over the last couple of years out of the pen. The two-year deal means that the Phillies are trying to shoot for next year as well as this year and having a very strong bullpen. And it also shows that while they might have a lot of confidence in some of the young guys in the bullpen right now, talking about Hobie Milner and uh, Victor Arano and even Edubre Ramos, they do want to have a lot of backups. They want to have a lot of foundation there. So they know that when they get into the late innings of games, they have some options to go with. And I will talk with Brian Michael, philliesnation.com, just in a few seconds here about what that all means with the bullpen. And we kind of talk about what the future might be with the bullpen and how the Phillies might be positioning themselves to being a different thinking team when it comes to pitching staffs. Uh, This was in a Matt Gelb article earlier today. There was a lot of talk earlier in the day about the Phillies being interested in Jake Arrieta, of course, starter from the Cubs last year, free agent, big money pitcher, might be getting somewhere around $200 million in the open market. Of course, that's what Scott Boris thinks, his agent. But Matt Gelb in a piece that said the Phillies would not be getting uh, Jake Arrieta, which is probably true. He also said that the Phillies are going to be trying out something different this year. They're going to go with a five-man starting rotation, but an eight-man bullpen for a 13-man pitching staff. Now, typically, teams have 12-man pitching staffs and 13-man offenses, 13 people, whether it's on the bench or the starting lineup. The Phillies are going to go with a 13-man pitching staff and a 12-man offense. Now, that is according to Gelb as he's talked to the team. And the idea here is the Phillies know that after Aaron Nola, They have a lot of question marks, whether it be Vince Velasquez or Nick Pavetta or Jake Thompson or Zach Eflin, any of these guys that they've tried out over a number of starts, over a number of years, and the Phillies aren't necessarily excited about them trying to go seven innings or so, giving up three, four runs in the sixth or seventh inning and being knocked out of the game, and the Phillies Phillies have lost the lead. The Phillies are kind of thinking ahead, thinking, If these guys can become really good pitchers for 70 pitches, maybe 80 pitches, and they can get us five, six really good innings, then we can go to the bullpen and we can go to a number of options, whether it be Pat Neshek or Tommy Hunter or Edubre Ramos or Hector Neris or Victor Arano or Luis Garcia or Adam Morgan or Hobie Milner. There's a lot of options now. So the Phillies are really thinking about having a diverse pitching staff, one that they can turn to in any situation. And I'm wondering, and we'll talk about this with Brian a little bit later, if the Phillies might try to do some experiments here. Could they go with a starting pitcher for three to four innings and then put in the next guy? Could they start a game with a reliever? Could they leave someone out there for four innings from the bullpen? Could they go with three pitchers in one inning? Who knows? Some of these ideas are a little bit less ridiculous and some are more ridiculous. But the idea is that with this new coaching staff led by Gabe Kapler and really with the general manager, Matt Klentak and Andy McPhail, the president of baseball operations, sort of running the sort of 
on-field team as much as they are from the press box or from the from the front office, maybe their influence is going to be seen a lot more on that day-to-day on the mound. And maybe the pitching staff is going to be used in a way that more uh, that more reflects a sabermetric style of play. Are they going to be more... Are they going to be? Are they be thinking about having relief pitchers get maybe three to four days rest, like a starting pitcher, instead of having maybe a day rest? Because as we as we know today, if a relief pitcher goes three days in a row, that's typically not allowed, depending on how many pitches they throw. Could they do a thing where they have a pitcher go 20, 30 pitches one day, and then have three days off and pitch another twenty to thirty the next time out? I don't know. But these are some interesting things to think about. Again, myself and Brian, we talk about this a little bit later on here that I'll come up in a second. And we recorded it earlier on in the day. So this is before the Tommy Hunter deal came out. We actually thought that the Phillies were going to get Addison Reed, and that was reported by Buster Allen. It was erroneous, but the report came out just a few minutes later that it was, in fact, Tommy Hunter, and that was reported first by Matt Gelb. So that's the deal. Matt, uh, Tommy Hunter, Pat Neshek is the news. Manny Machado is the rumor. Doesn't look like that's going to happen, but we talk about that a bit. Also, Jake Arrieta, another rumor that seems a lot more unlikely. Meanwhile, there's a lot of other things that could happen. The offseason is young. The winter meetings is still young. We're middle of the middle. We're midway through the winter meetings. So, get ready because there's a little bit more to go, and we'll have much more at philliesnation.com and on Twitter at philliesnation. Let's move on. All right, let's transition and do a little back-and-forth talk. I'm with Brian Michael, who is the CEO and founder of FilliersNation.com, following the winter meetings just as I am. And it's been insane, I guess, is a good way of putting it. It feels like the Phillies are very much involved in a lot of what's happening at the winter meetings, Brian. Yeah, yeah, they're the bell of the ball. Uh, Their names are coming (laughs) up everything. You know, they have a lot of money to spend. They have uh, needs to fill, which isn't necessarily a good thing. Um, but they're back in the, the mix of things after being out of it a little bit for the past couple of years. I should note, uh, just to let everybody know, I want to let everybody know when we're recording certain things so that people know, like, if we don't know anything or do know anything, it's about 4.30 p.m. on Tuesday, so day two of the winter meetings. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, it's really interesting that, and it, I think it, this is all kind of a result in some way of how the off season started because we were all waiting for Shohei Otani and Giancarlo Stanton to happen. And once that happened, then the rest of the off season can kind of go get going and get underway. And the Stanton thing, because it was the Yankees that like created this chain reaction around baseball where like half the teams are now like selling because, Oh God, the big bad Yankees are not going to be able to be beaten. If you're like a 80 win team, you know, the year before. And then half the teams are trying to like really quickly, like respond to it. So, and then the Phillies are kind of in this weird middle ground where they have a lot of money, but they're still sort of rebuilding. So they can kind of do a lot of different things. It's really been interesting to see how the Phillies have been involved in all these funny trade rumors and signing rumors and everybody from first baseman who I don't know why the Phillies would want a first baseman right now to just like small, like little moves. And it just feels like the Phillies have just been in, in everybody's business. And maybe half of it is agent related because 
everybody's agent thinks, oh, I'll put the Phillies in my rumor and that'll drive up the price of my client. But it's just really funny that, like, the Phillies are, like, in the middle of all this. It's it's kind of cool. Right, and, and they're in a good position in the middle of all of it, too. Like we were saying, they have the money, but also, you know, the way um, you mentioned, you know, another market themselves coming over from Japan and Giancarlo, um, you know, neither of those really affected the Phillies too much. Um, they were both in the American League, like we said, um, so it's not like in their division. Um, and, yeah, they've put themselves in a good position. You know, it took a few bad years, kind of like the Sixers we've seen in the city. Um, but they're in a good position now, and the way things are happening externally are also um, lining up uh, favorably for them. Um, so as as so the, the big thing that's happened at the meetings so far relating to the Phillies seems to be the Manny Machado stuff. And it started as this funny, like, the Orioles are listening to calls about Manny Machado, as in, like, people are talking to him, and they're like, oh, what, Manny Machado, what, 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 you want to deal, what, what, what? And then it was like, the Orioles are looking at the Phillies farm system, and it's like, wait a second, whoa. So there is, like, more interest from the Phillies than it seems other teams. So right. suddenly all the blinders get on, and it becomes Manny Machado and the Phillies, right? So have you at all, like, thought – from the beginning of this that this was any more than just rumor or do you think there's a little more to it or, or why? Uh, I think the Machado piece specifically is a rumor. Um, but like I said, the Phillies are in a good position. So that's why it makes a lot of sense. That's why people are talking about it. They have um, the payroll to take them on, especially if they would be able to sign them to an extension. Um, they have the um, younger prospects to give up for it. So it certainly seems like a favorable marriage in that sense, and and that's why it's good. But, you know, that kind of works uh, in the Phillies' favor with a lot of different um, free agents. So Manny Machado, yeah, but I think it kind of – the narrative works for most of them. Um, I don't think Machado specifically would make sense. Um, you know, I don't know if the Phillies could guarantee that they would get the extension, which would be the main point of that. And – you know, they're really not ready to compete. Um, they're not ready to spend that money next year. Uh, probably in two years they'll be spending that money, uh, but it doesn't really make sense to, to be spending that uh, in the upcoming season. But you mean spending it, like, next off season? you're saying? Yes, exactly. Okay, the 2018-19 okay. the, the season certainly looks to be a much bigger one. Yeah. Now, this year we, have, we had um, the two really big free agents, and everything else, like you said, is shaking out now. Next year, we're going to have a lot of, of high-powered names, a lot of money being moved around. Also, the um, luxury tax threshold goes up about $9 million next year, too. So that's going to give teams some more room to spend more money on these players. And the Phillies can be there, too, if they want. Um, it depends on how this season goes, I think. You know, all those questions that they've been asking the past three, four years about Franco and, and Rupp and... Um, even the younger guys like Hoskins and Crawford and, and Nola, for that matter, you know, are they sticking around after this year is the big question, because if not, um, the Phils are going to have to start to make some moves to fill those holes uh, and spend spend a lot, of, uh, lot more money than they are this year. Yeah, I mean, it's funny because, like, I thought that this offseason was going to be sort of, 
you know, like it could be like there's one interpretation where like, oh, they could, they could trade for Stanton and they could do this. And then there's the other interpretation of, well, they're not going to do anything. They stink. They don't send they don't spend money ever. And I and I thought it was right. Gonna, I, I think it's going to be. I think, yeah, sorry. I think. It's going to be a lot like last year's. Off well, yeah, I, I thought it would be like somewhere in the middle yeah. of those two things where they would probably trade for or pick up somebody who was of a, of a bigger note, you know, like a starting pitcher who could be alongside Aaron Nolan in the rotation, um, but then also make some smaller moves that are just going to sort of round out the core that they've built up already. And then as like every article that the Philly writers have written in the past, I mean, like today and in the past two years, Matt Klintak has been quoted as saying, you know, we're going to get that big piece when we feel like it's time to get that big piece. And it reminds me of the Sam Hinkie quote when he was well back, you know, when, when he was GM of the Sixers. He says, you know, when you when we know when you know when it, when it's real, you'll know, you know, when when you when it's time to, like, make that push, you know, it's time and, and you'll know it. So, like, we're not quite there yet. Like, we know that the core that we have right now is pretty good with Crawford and Hoskins and Alfaro and Williams and et cetera, et cetera. But they're not, they haven't proved themselves over a year and a half, two years. Right. Like they haven't done that for so long. So I understand why Klentak and company are saying, well, you know, it's not quite time to get Machado, but because you now have this Manny Machado trade rumor and the Orioles apparently are ramping it up. I mean, according to the national writers, there has to be some sort of a Philly response because yeah, if Machado goes somewhere else and does sign a long-term deal with, say, the Cardinals, the Phillies are left with egg on their face because the guy who seems so perfect for them next year is now not part of their organization. So I understand why they have to get in on this. And Jason Stark literally just like a couple minutes ago tweeted, uh, he was talking like Matt Klintak just did a whole like roundtable with a bunch of writers. And Stark has him quoted as saying, uh, quote, we're open to – and the parentheses trading for a star. So we're open to trading for a star. We have to be, but it still has to make sense in the context of the team we're trying to build. So that second part of the quote is basically everything that Clintac has been saying. Like when, when it's time, when, when we're ready, you'll know, and we'll make that trade. We'll, we'll get that Machado. We'll get that Harper. We'll get that. Whoever we'll make that move. But the first part is we're open to, and we have to be trading for a star. Like, so maybe they could make a move. <laughs> Like it's kind of weird. Like, like I mean, they could. Like I said, it fits. It fits that they could. It, a lot of the pieces are there. There are a few names out there. Um, but yeah, you know, they're gonna have to win more than seventy-five games. Yeah. Or show something that, like you said, that they're that they're there, and they're definitely not there yet. They're not ready to make that move to convince. You know, it's a different way of thinking with the new ownership. I think you know, it is a little bit more like the the Sam Hinkie idea uh certainly um more i wouldn't say frugal but you know more smart with their money and patient uh, when it needed yeah i mean well here's the thing though machado is young and you can sign him to a six or seven year deal and he'd still be basically a really good player at the end of that deal so the phillies would be wise to like make that kind of a move but you know like like can you trade for a machado and sign a pretty decent pitcher or two and bring in maybe one other player this year and that team 
get to the wild card round? I I mean, I guess so, right? Like that that could happen. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, certainly, I didn't haven't seen the division getting any better. Yeah. Um, like I said, a lot of these moves are happening in, in the AL, which is is good for the Phillies. Uh, you know, I I still don't know. I'm more of the thought that they're. It looks like they're going to spend most of their money on uh, relievers this yeah. off season. Um, they're they're going to see what they have with their young guys in the lineup, and they're going to just kind of throw out some starting pitchers this year, and, and then next year really spend the money. I would guess on uh, on some big name starting pitching, but you know I think they're going to try this year to get some final answers on these young prospects. So you know, like uh, as much as we'd like to see a big name like Machado come in. You know they have players in the infield that can play. Certainly not his caliber, but they want to at least give them another year. Um, and, and it looks like they may even be giving Franco some more time as well. So, you know, yeah. this is the year for these guys to shit or get off the pot, though, for sure. I mean, I like I like the fact that they're going to give Franco another shot. It looks like I like the fact that. You know, they are still trying to trade one of Cesar or Freddie Galvis potentially. Yeah. Like that, that's out there. Um, they want to get J.P. Crawford everyday time at shortstop, it seems like, which I think is the right move. Um, Scott Kingery should get up there at some point, and we'll see what happens there. Which So they're doing all the right things as far as like getting a core ready. And in three years, when we have have all these veterans on the team along with this core, like you're like, oh, okay, now I, I don't, I don't, I'm not even thinking about what happened three years ago, and we weren't getting these guys. But like, it's it's interesting to me that you know I think a lot of us came into the off season thinking it's going to be relatively quiet a couple moves you know they'll they'll make the Cesar trade or something like that and we'll finally have some answers as far as like who they want to go forward with but now because Manny Machado's name has been in there and because we got the Jake Arrieta rumor which I don't think is anything more than Scott Boris just like talking up his client because he Absolutely. wants to get a lot of money for Jake Arrieta, like because those things came out very early in the winter meetings, suddenly like all the fans are like, oh yeah, we gotta go, we gotta, you know, we got, why are we winning? Why are we winning? Why are we spending money? Like it's just really funny how it's kind of happened so quickly. Yeah. But, um, but I, your take on the relievers is like definitely, it's funny because now you can sort of see the Pat Neshek move as I talked about earlier. The Pat Neshek move is sort of symbolic of how this team will probably continue to play the offseason. Like, it sounds like, as Jim Salisbury had written in his piece, that, or excuse me, Matt Gelbrot in his piece, Matt Gelbrot, like, this team is going to probably go with a bunch of relievers to back up the starters who they don't feel so hot about, and they're going to hope that these starters grow, but in the meantime, they're going to hedge their bets and go with a good bullpen and maybe win some games that way, which I guess that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, yeah, I absolutely think that's what the team's shaping up to be. Um, you know, I think the young guys can hit well enough to keep them in those games if they have to win more 6-5 games and things like that. Um, so I think that'll be the big question with these young players. You know, can they keep themselves in the games? Can they stay out of long slumps throughout the season? Um, you know, can they rally together um, in an inning and string some hits together? In in uh, AAA last year and, and Reading the year before, um, you know, 
that's how they played. And it was fun to watch that. Um, if they can continue it uh, in the big leagues, that's what we're looking for. They'll be a very exciting team to watch. They'll definitely be able to um, smooth over some of the deficiencies they have in starting pitching. Um, but I guess, you know, Gabe Kapler is, is the question. Is he the guy that can um, keep that going with the players? Can he turn them into championship caliber um, players at a relatively early age, too? Um, you know, because they really don't have any veterans. So when we're, we're talking about bringing in position players and spending a lot of money on it, at some point you're going to have to look at, at some of these veterans as well that can help get them over the hump, some of them with playoff experience. Um, you know, David Price might be available down the line. Um, Gio Gonzalez next year, certainly. Clayton Kershaw will be out there. That'll be the big name next uh, offseason at this time if he hasn't signed up already. Um, so I think that's where, where the money will be going. Yeah, and like Dallas Keuchel, I think, is also going to be uh, out there next year. Uh, but yeah, I, I think you're right, and I think it makes a lot of sense that, um, you know, if the Phillies are going to play this the way that it seems like they're going to play it, they're going to give Velasquez and Pavetta and Eikhoff and potentially Jake Thompson, you know, one more shot here over the next season to sort of figure it out. And if it doesn't work, then they know exactly what they have to do in the big offseason. Um, do you think, though, I mean, because it seems like, the, you know, the Neshek deal and now that it seems like they're going to get at least one more reliever, maybe even more than that, do you think that that hampers and maybe stops, like, them from getting another starting pitcher? Because we'd have always been talking about the fact that they'd probably get at least one starting pitcher, if not two, in the offseason. Do you think they'll still do that? I mean, I'm not even talking about, like, a Clay Buckholtz, like, reclamation number five guy. I mean, right. like, an, like an actual solid, you know, middle-of-the-road starter. Uh, you know, they're not projected to spend a lot of money this year. They've said numerous times that they're trying to keep a relatively low payroll. You know, I'm thinking that's going to be around $100 million, maybe 110. That puts them around 20th or so in the league. Um, they don't have a lot of money committed other than Herrera and uh, Nishak and whatever other reliever they have. They have, um, you know, maybe I think it's estimated about 19 or 20 million for the um, arbitration eligible players. Assuming Galvis and Hernandez is still on the team, they'd be on the higher end um, of that chunk. So, yeah, I mean, you're looking at probably another. 20 to 30 million to spend. Um, like you said, Buckholtz, um, haven't taken a flyer on him. It was around that. Um, I don't think they're going to be signing anyone for the long, long term because I want, I think they want to keep that money free. Um, you know, cause like you said, the payroll is going to be low this year. It's going to be low next year unless they make these moves as well. So, you know, they're, they have a relatively low base for the next three, four years if they had the same lineup. Um, you know, I'm sure not all these players are going to still be here, but yeah, I mean, I'm I'm thinking 20, 30 million. They need starting pitching, so they're going to have to get someone this off season. Uh, but I do think it'll be more of a one one year deal deal too at the most. Um, I mean, Titan. I I thought like a like a Jason Vargas would have been very interesting for them because Vargas is sort of this. Like number four kind of guy, maybe even number three at times, who was in the American League and had a pretty good season uh, for the Royals. A little older, but he's kind of had a second life in the last couple of years. Uh, another name was Chris Tillman, who, I mean, 
clearly like has a past with Andy McPhail as an Oriole. And I think McPhail actually yeah. traded for him, like the first deal he had he made when he was with the Orioles. So he seems like the kind of guy who would come in. He's a little bit more of a reclamation, but that could work. Um, I think that'll probably, I mean, there's got to be something because they, they can't go in the next season with Nola and, you know, four guys who can go five innings. Like they need to, they need to get someone else in there who can give them some innings and, and really be, you know, a stopper out there. So we'll see. But you say, you know, I know you said no long-term deals and I know you mean that for like starting pitchers or like big time players at the moment, but like they, they did sign Neshek for, I mean, it could be a three-year deal with the option and right. They've already said today that uh, Matt Klintak actually said that they're definitely open to signing another reliever to a three-year deal. And that's something we haven't seen from the Phillies in a long time. I mean, Ruben Amaro was the last one to make that. I mean, well, he was the last GM. But back when Ruben was in his high horse, that was when they were making these deals. What do you, does that say anything to you? Like, are you surprised? Because three-year deals for relievers, I mean, if they're low annual value, that's not bad. But you're betting on like guys to be at least consistent because yeah. you're fungible guys and, and it's, a, it's a lot of money it, it's a lot of money certainly you know like i said already dishak is the highest paid player on the team as of now uh by far it's insane um, but again, he's an all-star and you know he's familiar with the team and pitched well um he does have a bit of that veteran presence um and you know, I think it makes sense for the reliever. I, I don't think it makes sense for a starting pitcher this off season, uh, next off season, uh, most definitely. You know, they'll need to. Um, but yeah, Nishak, Addison Reed, uh, I think that will kind of just solidify some pieces that um, they won't have to worry about. Well, you know, next year. I, I wonder if like the Phillies are going to try to like pioneer the pitching staff where every pitcher can go three innings or something. Right. Like, they just, like or have like, seven starters for that matter or four, you know, you could do anything from. I mean, I mean, imagine like next year, like Sixto Sanchez goes three innings and then you bring in Nishak, who's a side armor coming after Sixto and gives you two innings. And then Victor Arano, who has fast, you know, has velocity comes in and gives you two more innings. And suddenly the Phillies have shut you down for seven innings. You know, like, Right. Like, I like I like the idea. I like it more in a uh, shorter season, maybe like a playoff game. Well, yeah, yeah, of course. You yeah. know, with the long season and, you know, you heard the relievers last year. Um, I forget who it was, maybe Naris um, or Ramos, saying how, how they don't really know their roles. You know, I'm sure Nishak could fill in a lot of different positions. Um, but, yeah, o- over the course of the season, that wouldn't work. But in uh, for certain games, and, you know, you have someone, a progressive thinker, supposedly, like uh, Gabe Kapler, he might be up for trying some new tactics here and there. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it's going to be interesting to see how they if, – if they invest really heavily on relief pitching now and think that – I mean, it would be interesting to see because the only thing that I can think of is – if they invest in the relief pitching now for long term and they're like signing guys to three year deals, then the idea is relief pitching is the new starting pitching. 
And yep. these guys are going to throw every couple days, but they're going to throw more innings every couple days. And we're going to keep them fresh, and we're going to keep them healthy, and they're going to be able to not be fungible anymore. Because the whole fungibility of relief pitching is because they don't get a lot of, like, they pitch every other day, and they pitch for one inning at a time. If you put that over the re- over an entire season, you know, have them pitch 120 innings over an entire season, they're actually going to have numbers that are sort of similar to what starting pitchers put up. It's just, it's so spread out that that's what you get. So, I, I don't know. Like, I, I bring it, you know. But it's, but I, I'm I'm very interested to see how they uh, continue to kind of do this off season because it, I don't think it's going to be a usual off season. Honestly, it's, it seems it already seems like it's a little weird. Yeah, definitely different than the past couple of years um, for sure. Um, there's names out there. Um, they're setting themselves up, and like I said, around the league and around their division that um, not too much is going on that they feel like they need to make a move just to, you know, continue to contend or, or not lose a hundred games. Um, you know, the Marlins certainly didn't get much better. And <laughs> mean they didn't get much better. <laughs> um, you know, the Braves are getting better. The Nats are there, but they're all getting older and it's kind of their last hurrah. Uh, with some of their players, including Harper, who, of course, is always a name that um, we like to mention um, to potentially come and spend all that money on next year. Then you got Mike Trout, obviously, two years after that, um, unless the Angels get rid of him beforehand. Um, but you know, that's kind of that's kind of where I think it's going to. And you know, they have a lot of starting pitching, but none of it's defined. So I think they know that. They're kind of setting up a safety net, uh, if you will, with these young pitchers that they're going to try out. Um, it's one thing to try out some of the hitters and, and fielders, but um, with the pitchers, you know, you can't leave them in there too long uh, pitching a terrible game. So maybe that's the thought. They're going to try out a lot of these young uh, starters. Well, I think it might just be they're going to experiment a lot this year. I mean, if yeah, you look at yeah. if you look at all the infielders that they still have, I mean, typically like. If, the, if if I mean Cesar deal could happen, a Freddie deal could happen, but like Tommy Joseph probably isn't going to be like gone from this team until very close to the season because that kind of stuff doesn't happen until the very end. But they have a lot of like potential pieces that they can move around and be flexible with. They've already talked about position flexibility, like how important that is. So you could see guys playing second base. I see like I. Why not like try Oduble at second base? And like if you trade Cesar, why not try Oduble at second? He played second base in the minors, but anyways, like right. they could do all that kind of stuff and have fun with it. And then with the pitching, how it seems to be trending, maybe they are going to just try these starting pitchers and like do funny things with the bullpen. And this, I mean, why not? Like you said, the NL East, you don't, you're not scared of any team really, but the Nationals. And then in the National League itself, yeah, the Cubs are there, the Dodgers are there, obviously, but. The Rockies and Diamondbacks, you know, who knows if they're going to be that good again next year. Uh, the Brewers could be. We don't know. The Cardinals are still kind of on the, I mean, the fence. But so the Phillies have a chance. Like, be kind of experimental, yeah. be fun, be weird, and maybe that parlays into a wild card berth or even close to it. That'd be amazing. Or it's a complete disaster. Or it's a complete which you yeah, know, but, I mean, we're used to that, but you know, whatever. Yeah, no, they have already they've already shown that with these minor leaguers as as well. Kingery playing, you know, third and second, um, Crawford, third and shortstop, uh, Hoskins, yeah. yeah, 
outfield and first. So it, it's already going in that way. You know, maybe um, they're, they're grooming the players to be more, more versatile, like you were talking about. Um, I think it'll work for some of them. I think others might need more of a, a, a steady routine. Yeah. So I guess that's what this year is all about. Uh, and again, hopefully Gabe Kapler is the one who can figure out some of those pieces because it, it will be a lot of moving parts, put it that way. A lot of young players, a lot of um, fitting in uh, where they should go and, and then having to make some of those tough decisions, one by the, the trade deadline next year, but certainly uh, by this time in the winter meetings in 2018. Well, while next year is a seems like a long time from now, uh, there's still a lot to happen here in the off season, and we'll be on it, obviously. Uh, so fun, we'll be following it. Brian, uh, thanks for uh, coming on and talking with me for a little bit, and uh, well, who knows? Maybe maybe they'll make a wacky ass trade in the next couple of days here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hopefully, I'll talk to you soon then. All right, man. Thanks. All right, my thanks to Brian Michael for coming on and talking with me a little bit about just what the Phillies are doing with the Manny Machado rumors and obviously the bullpen and the new additions here and what's going to happen with that configuration and maybe what the Phillies are looking forward to for this year, next year even. Maybe the trade deadline could be a little bit more interesting. We don't know yet. I mean, it's a very interesting time for the Phillies and they could do a lot of different things. Certainly, we'll be on it. You should follow us on Twitter, at Phillies Nation. You should follow us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Phillies Nation. Also, of course, go to philliesnation.com for your daily updates on the winter meetings and check out the news when it comes out. We will have it, plus my opinions, every night. Tonight you will read something about the new bullpen and, and how it's coming together and how I kind of go off a little bit on what Brian and I talked about and what I talked about earlier on as well with this team maybe trying some different things from the bullpen. And maybe this is a sign that the Phillies are trying to separate themselves and take advantage of a value that maybe other teams aren't seeing right now. But you'll see that on philliesnation.com. All right, we'll see you next time on the podcast. It might be in a week or so, but we will get there and maybe we'll have more news to talk about. Until then, I'm Tim Malcolm. Thanks for listening.